Yeah, yeah, yeah. Surviving COVID in the USA. finally here 2021 started without us yeah we wish we would have started without 2021 i know really right the way this year started and has gone well i'd say it could be worse but we've been there we have we have indeed although you know i don't want to say it can't get worse in 2020 but i really don't think it can get worse in 2020 i don't know anyway i'm Corey, and i'm antonio we are back with another thralling, exciting, talktastic episode of Pod Thing, where we're going to have some conversations, and we're also going to talk and start off with something that I wanted to bring up was, we have some new artwork. We do indeed. It's another I... revamp. It's Pod Thing, the sequel of the prequel, which just makes it Pod Thing. Understand that I've I wanted to put on you know for Facebook when I uploaded the graphics I wanted to put Pod Thing the Facebook and then change the Facebook page name to Pod Thing the Facebook, so we could have a whole Spaceballs vibe going you know Spaceballs the sequel Spaceballs the server, Spaceballs the vacuum cleaner we could be Pod Thing. Where's our Pod Thing lunchbox? I mean, coming soon to a Patreon near you. <laughs> I'd buy it. And we should probably you start should with uh, vinyl stickers first after we get an actual logo. We could. We could. We could just go tagging other podcast stickers that they leave all over town, like DJs from Upcountry. Right. Just go up real quick, and no, this is my turf. Fuck y'all, my turf. You guys don't understand. Like, the the pod thing, life is hard. Being be like the 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 podcasting like competition is really out there. I mean, it is, and it doesn't help that it's been months since we uploaded because a lot happened in the interim to. With both of us, that we'll spare you the details and just say, technology issues, technology upgrades, recording issues, and life happened. Yeah, that life thing. Holy shit. But we're here now. And we're going to start off right and talk about some things that we may have missed, which are some gaming anniversaries in 2021. So I'm only going to go up through, I guess, now. So we can just catch up and get into where we are. So we're not going to talk about May, or June, or July... Until our next, until until those months. So I wanted to start off with a with a few things here that just some highlights for you, Antonio. Are you ready? I am ready. It has been twenty five years since the N sixty four and Game Boy Pocket came out. Wow. It has been thirty years since the SNES, and it's the fifteenth anniversary this year of the Wii and the PS three. I hate you more and more with every word you say. And those I just are want you to know that. Just the consoles. Let's talk about some. Now let's get into the games and talk about what we missed in January. I'm gonna highlight some big ones for you. Are you ready? I don't think so, but go for it. So Mass Effect Two is ten years old. Yeah. Remake coming soon. Oh God. Actually, it is coming soon. The uh, Mass Effect trilogy HD collection. I'm actually really looking forward to it. Though they took the multiplayer out of Mass Effect Three. Speaking of 3s, it's been 25 years since Duke Nukem 3D and Mega Man X3 came out. Jeez. Yeah. Um, as we all know, this year is the 35th anniversary of our favorite franchise, the Zelda franchise. We um, 
Haven't really gotten much news other than a Skyward Sword HD port coming to the Switch. Which is not worth $60, Nintendo. It really isn't. Um, But there's a lot more speculation on Breath of the Wild 2. Uh, so that's good. Uh, Nintendo hasn't said anything, but it's kind of par for the course for them. They really don't say much. It's they don't like, release much until, you know, they have it's something. right about time. Yeah, well, except for Breath of the Wild. Yeah, that was that was a build up. Breath of the Wild 2 is kind of the same. You We've gotten you one got trailer. Here there. We're probably we're probably going to we're not going to get a release date this year, but we're going to get a full another full trailer. You think so? I don't think we're going to get a release date, but I think at E3 we're going to get a full trailer. You know, you would think that they would release it to coincide with the 35th anniversary. I think that I think what we're even gonna get... even though they even though they've said that they weren't planning anything for holiday season, I think that roundabout time for holiday season you're going to end up seeing it, or it's going to be shortly after holiday season. I don't think it's this year. It's going to be next year at the earliest holiday season next year. I think this year Nintendo is going to do exactly what they did for Mario and do a rushed collection of Zelda All Stars where they're going to put up the same Zelda games that we've gotten on almost every console at this point into a collection. Yeah, but the problem with the Zelda All-Stars is that you can't really fit, you know, 20 franchise games into one All-Star thing. No, but they can fit... I mean, if they do this, what they'll probably end up doing is they're going to skip the ones on the NES and the SNES because they'll skip Legend, they'll, they'll skip Zelda 1 and 2, they'll skip Link to the Past because it's available on the Switch. So they'll probably give you Ocarina Majora's Mask, they'll probably give you Wind Waker Twilight Princess, and that's it because Skyward Sword's coming out. They'll put those on the Switch cart because the Switch cart can probably hold those. If not, then they'll probably nix Majora's Mask. Hooray. A third copy of Wind Waker. Yep. But at least you'd probably get the HD ported version, the ports of the HD ones, since those are already done for the Wii U. That's true. And um, they did do some I, fixes to Wind Waker to make Triforce fishing a little easier. I mean, I say it a little, I say it sarcastically as if I'm, I wouldn't be happy for another release of Wind Waker, because I mean, I would be. I have my GameCube version. It's great. I have all my original copies of my old Zelda games. But, 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 um, I mean, as as usual when it comes to things with the Switch, my thing isn't that I'm upset that they're bringing out ports and that um, the 90% of the games that are on the market are indie games. I love all of that. That reminds me very much of the Super Nintendo heyday when indie designers and developers could, you know, have a job and do things. Um, I'm really tired of them showcasing what the Switch can do by giving me games from, like, two ga- two gaming generations ago. I get it. Like, I do. And then on top of I that, see. charging me charging me the full price of two gaming generations ago. Yeah. Actually, no. Link's Awakening, this upgrade for Link's Awakening is more expensive than the original release for Game Boy. Oh, absolutely it is. I mean, even maybe accounting for inflation, it's a little more expensive. I mean, even back in the day, Nintendo knew how to proportion out their, you know, their their prices for their tech. I mean, the their going price on a Super Nintendo game in their heyday was, you know, 50, 60 bucks. Yep. And then but Game Boy games, whether it was new or something else, they were thirty bucks. They typically capped at thirty bucks. Thirty or forty, depending on the franchise, yes, or on the game, I should say, depending on what that game pack had on it. Because I mean, like, I had a game that I think was a forty dollar game. It was called Robopon, but it had like an IR sensor on the top and like a big battery pack with it. 
Sure, yeah, but that's you know that's kind of like a one-off where you get those yeah. big things like Pokemon Pinball or uh, Kirby's... Star Wars Episode Star Wars Episode One Racing, where th- those things had the Rumble Pack in it. Kirby's Tilt and Turn or whatever it was. Yeah. Anyway, so I'm glad we are talking about some of these Game Boy games because Oracle of Ages and Seasons itself, that little that little duo, that little uh, duology. It's not. It's it. Here's the thing. Duology. It is actually not. It is. It is not though. It is it's... part of a trilogy. Yeah. It is the sequel to Link to the Past, sir. They are the sequels to Link to the Past. Direct sequels. I guess you're right. So yeah, it's a trilogy. Anyway, it's 20 years old. I ac- I actually think there's four of them. I because I it's the I, I forget what technically the link the Link and Link's Awakening is the same Link from Link to the Past. Correct. Yes, that, that's exactly. And then it. this uh, is the same Link from Link's Awakening in the Oracle of Ages and Seasons games. Exactly. He like I, I think the way the storyline goes is that he the Link to the Past happens. He leaves Hyrule, and yep. then from there he he is on his you know boat. He gets caught on Coalent Island, and then after that, when he kind of you know when the island disappears. Sorry, spoiler alert. It's a thirty-year-old game. Get over it. He goes twenty-five. Back to, I think actually. Yeah, he gets back on the raft, sails off, and ends up. In, uh, uh, he, he ends up at an oracle of ages and oracle of seasons in those lands yep anyway those two games are 20 years old man i remember when those things came out like the uh the ability to have both games and then having completed certain tasks in those games and then having that save stuff transfer over and i think yeah. it was for, for, for at the time it was something big now when you look at it it's kind of dumb I mean, yeah, but back then that was something big. Even with Mass Effect, it did the same thing with the 360 when it saved it to the hard drive. You, you know, with those oh, yeah, games, yeah. you had the, at least you got a code and you t- typed your code into the other game to get all your stuff. And Sure, I mean, you do it with Assassin's story, Creed, you do it with Dragon was, Age. But what was unique about it was it was in a Zelda game, which is something that never has or has happened since. Where you uh, you're right. continued um, on with the second part of that story. And that was really cool and unique for that time. Well, what I'm getting at really with it is that what you got for the time, like, wasn't huge. Like, I, I don't, and I might be wrong. Somebody correct me because I, I don't remember if you get, like, some kind of dungeon or level or whatever You fight it is. a different, you fight a, fi- the final, final boss. That part I knew. You fight the final, final boss. But, like, I'm wondering if it was just the final, final boss or if there was well, more to it. Well, it was that in the dungeon, I think. I don't, I'd have to, I'd have to look it up. I don't know. It's been, it's been quite a while. So, you know, 20 years and all. Yeah. But moving forward, we've got, you know, two other things I want to mention from before I move into another month here is there's two arcade games. One I've never played. One I played the shit out of as a kid because um, I had copies of it. Um, Scramble is the one I've never played. But Defender is the one I love. And they're both 40, 40 years old. Wow. Like, I know Pac-Man's a game that's like in its... 40 years and now there's pac-man 99 which is your battle royale pac-man game which looks intense as shit uh and that's the so that's the um substitute they put in for the mario 99 right yeah i'm really upset i can't even play mario 35 man don't even don't even get me fuck fucking nintendo god damn it wait you can't play it it's not playable like you can go and play the practice and play the levels you've unlocked but you cannot connect to servers to play other people they've killed it well it's kind of lame yeah, really lame. So instead of pop-up restaurants in the time of COVID, we have pop-up gaming. Yep, pop-up gaming timed for Mario's 35th anniversary, just like the Mario All-Stars collection, which is no longer available for sale unless you find a place that just happens to have copies left. Like Walmart, who didn't pull it. 
but that's besides the point. Um, uh, we, and, and yeah, uh, the our, our our listeners did not hear that. Walmart doesn't know, and we're not going to tell them. Uh, so, speaking of which, I think I think I actually need to sign off to go to Walmart right now. I forgot something. Okay, okay, <laughs> we can put a pause on this. We'll be back. <laughs> so, Conker's Bad Fur Day is twenty years old. I would love to see that game come out for the Switch. I don't think they'll ever do it. I, I think I like some things don't age well, and I feel like for us it's great for a new generation of people who are well, a little more sensitive. I don't, so I don't, I don't know if it would work for them. It's on the Rare Replay collection that's on Xbox One and all that, and it's got, oh, I mean Xbox doesn't give a fuck. Well, here's the thing. Ready? It's censored. What? So when they made so remember so Conker's Bad Fur Day came out on on Nintendo sixty four, and the only things they censored were some really hard curse words. Um, I remember. What a time to be alive, it ladies and gentlemen. It came out on Xbox, on the original Xbox, after micro, after Microsoft bought Rare. They brought a port of it to the original Xbox, called it Live and Reloaded, where they made it with Xbox Live compatible. And that one was heavily censored. Like the Great Mighty Pooh song, even the word shit was censored out. So what you're saying is I need to get on eBay and Find look for an cart- N64 cartridge. Yes, that's the best way to play it, or <clears throat> emulation. We, 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 don't, we don't talk about that. I mean, if you own the actual cartridge, it is legal to emulate it on your computer. It's true. That is the rule. That is the rule. Super Mario RPG is 25 years old. That's Super Mario rule. RPG is 25 years old. That game oh, is a game uh, that looks 25 years old, too. I, 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 do, I do have to, to talk about one, one 25-year-old that, that is near and dear to my heart. Okay. The, uh, the late, great Harvest Moon, which is now Story of Seasons, the actual successor is story of seasons i think we've covered the whole harvest moon story in another podcast but pretty sure we have but it's still a man yeah it's a sore subject but yeah story of seasons aka the actual harvest moon is 25 years old uh and they have come out with story of season pioneers of olive town uh that as as a 25 year anniversary release which is quite fun yes and more on that in a moment we'll get into absolutely because yeah, I more know you've been playing it. We're going to talk about a few more anniversaries here, and then I've got we're going to move over so Antonio can have the floor. But the big thing here for anniversary that I want to talk about for you on a couple of them here. So we're almost through the you've month. You've been of saving March. this for like three I've been hours. Saving you a couple of me. them for March, and we're going to get into April is where this one comes out. But to finish off March, a couple that you know, Oblivion is 15 years old. The Game Boy release came out. The Game Boy Advance came out in Japan 20 years ago. Wow, has it been 20 years? Yes. God. It has what have been, I been doing with my life. Year the twenty, the year of the twenty-fifth anniversary of Resident Evil. Holy crap! The 3DS came out ten years ago. That's not so bad. Ubisoft is a thirty-five-year-old company. Also not so bad. Um, Neverwinter Nights came out thirty years ago. Yeah, fuck world. Moving on, the one I was saving for you, Link to the Past, is twenty-nine years old in the U.S. Wow. Yeah. Pokemon Gold and Silver came out 20 years ago in Europe. Jesus. Um, the Tomb Raider franchise is on its 25th anniversary. That doesn't surprise me quite so much. Okami's 15 years old. Wow. Wow. That one hurt. Yeah. I remember being 15 and playing that on my PlayStation 2, though, and it was pretty great. Okami's a great game. It holds up. I have the HD copy on the Switch. Yeah, totally worth it. I haven't played the HD copy, so I'll have to check that out. But the one I've been, one of the ones I've been saving, and I think you know which one it is that we're gonna lead into 
into some talk with you is that Stardew Valley this year has turned five years old. And that's hard to believe it really in is. itself because that game is still great and there's still new content added to it constantly right now. He is still and as we need to remind game. you every time, it was made by one guy who also makes other games. So, like, if you if you think you're a failure, you might just be. <laughs> yes. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry, listeners. But, yeah. Stardew Valley's five years old. That's amazing. It's a great game, though. It really is. It is a great You game. get lost in your farm life just like you do in Story of Seasons, which I haven't had. I haven't played the new one yet. Um, but I know you have. I mean, I've got I've got not a harsh critique, but I do have some some in-depth analysis onto the mechanics of it. So, like, as as we've kind of already alluded to, we're going to really be getting into uh, comprehensive farming simulation game. I don't know what I would call it, honestly. It's not it's not so much a review as a teardown. So if you're not quite into farm sims, you might want to skip ahead to a different timestamp on a different topic. But if you do like farm sims, stay tuned, because you're going to hear a lot of shit. Let's go. Let's get into that nitty gritty. So tell me about it. Tell me about your farm life, your story of seasons, if you would. So in a, in a complete and utter twist of the typical franchise and and genre uh storylines that you you typically get with uh farm sims you won't believe it but in this one your grandfather died was it quick and painless i really hope it I, was he was a good dude i don't know man uh, yeah he was a great dude but you know li- a life of working on the farm and toiling away and you know clearly not making much of it because it's kind of a shithole when i get there so i i think that he just might have been a bad farmer i'm not sure but r.i.p grandpa i mean uh so so yeah and it's it's the craziest thing, man. So he leaves you this farm, and you just want to get away from your life in the big city, and you want to move to an agrarian lifestyle, and you know just just take on that responsibility. And so, like you know, again, in a completely unexpected twist, you start off with a bunch of shitty tools, and you have to start like clearing rocks and trees and grass. So there's that. Do you have to? You eat, know, it's like do you have to keep your stamina up? I'm curious. You do. You do. Okay. Uh, and it's not it's not much, but it's honest work. I mean, it's a good day's work. Honest work's all you could ask for. You, uh, you know, you do all of that. And it's great. And then you get introduced to the town. And then you talk to people. And then you marry them. And then you buy animals. And, you know, you do all sorts of stuff. So there's that. Now, getting through the wonderfully crafted narrative I've given you that's just dripping with sarcasm. Basically, they have castrated the franchise. Now, I'm not saying that it is not a cute game. I'm not saying it's not a fun game. I'm not saying that it doesn't tickle all your nostalgia buttons. It's not what I'm saying at all. What I am saying is they have taken the gravity out of working on a farm and dealing with the elements and doing other things. So, for instance, one of my immediate large gripes was that during a typhoon, typically it would lock you inside and you couldn't go anywhere. Now, I imagine... Years of Olive Town either takes place in Greece or in Florida because the typhoon hits and you can go outside and you can run around and you can do work on your farm and it doesn't destroy anything. Not your chicken coops, not your greenhouses, not nothing. It doesn't, it, the typhoon don't, the typhoon doesn't destroy anything. So it just rains. Uh, it just rains and it's got lightning effects and it's windier and then it takes more stamina to do work in your fields. Um, so oh, no, whatever will I do? I guess I'll right. get more food. But then you go back out into town in the middle of the typhoon 
And everyone's walking around still doing their daily shit. I love it. It's just like, fuck it. I don't care. This is every day. That's why I'm saying, man. Dude, they live in Florida. These are all Floridians, all of them. There's that. And then on top of all of that, even the music is still playing in the background, like during the typhoon. And it's the same music. So it's like cheery music or it's summer music or it's, you know, whatever you're doing. And it's still playing. And so, again, that takes away from the gravity of it. Your property doesn't get destroyed. Your crops aren't destroyed. You, you know, you can walk around outside. The music is playing. So they've really castrated that in the sense where it's like, wow, nothing bad can happen here. Um, I haven't tried to kill my animals yet. Uh, so, you know, I, I, I'm i pretty decent at farm management, uh, at least in, in the games. So uh, I haven't seen what that looks like yet. I imagine they can die, but I'm sure they give you the way that this game is pampered uh, it, it or the way that this game pampers its players. I imagine they're going to give you 16 warnings before your cow finally kicks it. Possibly, or they just so, don't die. So there's that. Uh, they've removed all alcohol from the game. Uh, I don't know. I, I haven't really played too many of the successors. So I wonder if that's um, a localization issue versus versus the developers. That's a good question. Because in, Japan, in what sense? Well, because in Japan, it's not uncommon to have those references in games for kids because it's a common thing in life, and the culture is a little different. Even kids right, but Harvest Moon, but oh. Harvest Moon previously had always given us alcohol. Right, that's why I'm saying I'm wondering if that's more of because I haven't played. Okay, so I'll be honest, I haven't played since the Story of Seasons or Harvest Moon since it split. I went to Stardew Valley to get that niche filled, and that's fair. I did the same. So, um, but I, it's I it's know. still kind of like a knowing that this is the original franchise. This is the the people that are making Story of Seasons are the actual original Harvest Moon people. You know, it's kind of a kick to the balls to look at it and be like, okay, so there's no wine. There's no beer. There's no mention of alcohol. There's no, any of that. So they don't have that in there anymore. But you can still and get I, a waifu. I, yeah. You can still get a wife. You can also get a husband do if you want to. This husbando, sir. Oh, excuse me. I, I've, I've never gone looking for one. So, um, but yeah, so what, what I do find to be really, really interesting in this game, you know, and this is the kind of thing that like, this is where it chased me a little bit. It's it's what we consider to be adult content and non-adult content, or what we consider to be like acceptable and not acceptable. So like, you can you are completely gender neutral in this game, like you you pick you pick what you are. So you can you can be completely androgynous. You can't be uh, non-binary. Um, you have to pick like grandson or granddaughter. But like, you know, it's it's great in regards to the trans community. You can be whatever you want. So I mean, you can make yourself. You can give yourself completely masculine features and still identify as a female, and feminine features still identify as a male, vice versa, all that. And that's and that's great. Um, I think the customization options are really cool, but I find it interesting that like like you can you can be androgynous, transgender, with all sorts of different facial features and eye colors and this all this level of customization, but your character can't have a beard. Uh, that is Oof. facial hair is not an option. Oof. For any for any of your character stuff, so I mean, for all of the changes they made, like everyone's baby faced. Oh wait, no, they're not, because there's a million NPCs that have facial hair. You just can't have it. So there's that. You know, again, like you can be all these things, but there's no alcohol. There's there's no other things. Like there's no bar life. There's nothing even called a bar. They have cafes. There's like three cafes in the town. Um, you know, but there's no bars. They don't serve any alcohol. They don't it's, mention it. 
It's strange um, to me that they would take that out, but again, I guess it's just me. I like I said, I'd wonder if it's a localization thing or if it's the developers removing it just in general. I'd have to. Well, for for me, it's more of a matter of context because again, you can be all these things. You can have, and this is not a protest in any way, shape, or form against transgenderism or against homosexuality or however it is that you want to live your life or play your character. We've already talked extensively on that topic, and we're not going to get into it. But we don't care. Like we just don't do your thing, live your life. We love you. You're all people, but. You, you have all these options for things you can do, but they, like, again, you can have same-sex marriage. You can be, you know, you can be transgender in this game, and that's all well and good, You but you can't drink alcohol. You're, you know, hurricanes no longer destroy your farm. You're no longer meant to, like, feel loss in this game. Like, there's no, res like, you have to feed your animals, of course, but, like, that that level of gravity and responsibility doesn't seem to be there. It's, it's uh, yeah, they've, they've definitely wrapped it in bubble wrap. See, and that, that upsets me, because... I, I, and maybe it's just um, maybe it's unfair to compare it to Stardew Valley, but it seems almost valid too because in Stardew, you yeah you can go outside during a storm, but if a thunderstorm comes, you lightning can destroy your things. Um, no, exactly. Unless you set up lightning rods to help prevent it, you know there's consequences in there. If the if it's a storm out, then the music stops and you just get the sound of the rain and the stuff around you. I mean, honestly, I think Stardew's an apt comparison because they've they've added a crafting dynamic into this one. It's not dissimilar from Stardew, but again, like everything else, it holds your hand. It tells you exactly what you need when you open up, you know, let's say you're... And, and in a way, this is good, and in a way, it kind of sucks. So, like, you know, in Stardew, you'll make... Let's say, because I don't even... I don't... You know, you, you have the uh, the furnaces to refine, to refine your ingots, and you have to use a coal, you know, and do all those things, and then you, you know, to refine your ore. Right. And then you get an ingot. In this one, all you need is the ore and the ingot machine. And when you go to select the machine to insert things in there, it literally blacks out everything that you cannot put in there. Oh. And it automatically will take your cursor to the first available item that you can put in there for refinement. And that's with all the machines. That's the that's the lumber maker. That's for the ingot machine. That's for the brick maker. That's for the yarn machine. It's for everything. See, whereas in Stardew, you have to get things to power the machines to help make the lumber or whatever. Or, right, and there well, are some machines that require say, a power supply. I can say there's like my time at Porsche's maybe another app comparison where in that one yes it's a crafting one I've been I've been playing a bit of that game it's a crafting more focused on the crafting mechanic than Stardew or um, Story of Seasons would be but it's the same idea you have to all you make your things to put it in and you always have to have a power source for your machines. Right. I don't know maybe I just like the games that make it a little harder on the player when it comes to that. Because I've always thought that part of a farming sim or a life sim like that was managing your inventory. Uh, yeah, I mean, an inventory management's a big deal. You have to craft like you know chests and things like that. Um, one thing too, they've definitely taken from Stardew Valley uh, in regards to ideas. I mean, aside from again the, the refining machines that do all the stuff, the way that the mining system is set up is very reminiscent of Stardew Valley, um, and it does not. It, I'm reminded more of Stardew Valley by this mining system than I am from the mining system from Harvest Moon 64. Okay. Uh, sprites like forest spirits and like earth spirits and stuff like that. And it's kind of, again, like in the original Harvest Moon, Story of Seasons, you know, you would uh, have elves. And I understand they can't take everything because, you know, Natsume, I'm sure, owns rights to certain properties and, and, um, and, and likeness rights to character designs, things like that. So I understand that they can't put some of those things out. I'm sure that had a lot to do with like why when they had to redo uh, the Friends of Mineral Town game, 
uh, after the Harvest Moon franchise like split. That's probably why they had to do so many character redesigns and people didn't like them. No, exactly why they had to. So, I mean, that part makes sense and that they had to, you know, create a bit of a departure. Um, this one just seems more so like a, like a further departure. Um, I, I it's, it's almost like Harvest Moon is trying to be Stardew without actually being there. So, again, it's been a nice nostalgic refresher. I do enjoy it. Um, it's nice that some of the things are the same. Like your cows, your cows look the same. Your, your cows are typical, recognizable Harvest Moon cows. And I'm glad that hasn't gone away. But yeah, I mean, overall, it is a Harvest Moon game. Um, you know, there were some silly design flaws or silly design decisions uh, that were put into final production that I didn't really care for. Like they got rid of the, uh, it's all 3D now, so you can see character expressions. That's um, nice. It is nice. It's cool. Uh, but they took away the uh, animated icons for your dialogue. Your di- the dialogue box animations. Oh, that's the trade-off, huh? Yeah, so I mean, like, yeah, now you get to see a 3D rendering of the character who- while they look at you. But, but they like also the, don't the well, They also the don't necessarily boxes. change their facial expressions either. Like, they'll talk to you, and then, the, you know, a little music note comes over their head to let you know that it's the first time you've spoken to them that day. And and all those fun little things that, that happen with the, the franchise, you know, that, with that, and for things they took from, like, Friends of Mineral Town and stuff, or Magic Melody. You, you get that. But again, like, it's just, it's so watered down. And I understand that, like, they have to, you know, advance the franchise as time goes on and, and make it friendlier or whatever it is that they do. But I mean, they've kind of taken away from the overall vibe. Um, what I do like about it, though, is it's just as addictive as any Harvest Moon game has ever been. Well, absolutely. Um, yeah, I mean, you, you know, the, I do find that I'm never out of things to do. Because you're, of course, like always, your time is limited. And so when you're running around doing chores, you know, you lose track of time. So you say, okay, yeah, I need to go into town and talk to my romance options. Uh, Well, you can't necessarily do that if you have a farm full of crops that you have to take care of. You know, there are times where you'll find yourself at 3 p.m. having done everything. And you're like, well, now what do I do? And you're like, well, I am low on silver ore. So I guess I will just take my stuff and go down to the mines. Or make some Um, quick money and go fishing. Yeah, exactly. But it would, I mean, and the other thing too is a lot of those resources aren't worth as much as they used to be. So like fishing is not even really a worthwhile endeavor. Uh, fishing, fishing is mostly for like donations to the museum. Uh, and you just kind of, again, very Stardew Valley-esque, at least to me. Well, that's also Animal oh. Crossing-esque too. That's the thing though, because Animal Crossing is very much like one of these games, but without the farming aspect. It's just the life aspect, the relationship aspect. Hey man, my turnips, all right, or my tulips rather. Excuse me. Hey, I don't play Animal Crossing, okay? I have a nice rose garden in Animal Crossing. Thank you. Do you? Yes. I'm gonna come to your. I'm gonna come to your place, and I'm going to pick all of your roses. Please don't. It took me forever to get a black one to grow. Oh, that's the first one I'm taking out. Damn. And then I'm taking it back to my place, and then I'm. You know what I'm gonna do with it? Nothing, because I can't plant your flowers. You don't even have Animal Crossing. Don't lie to me. I don't even have it. You're right. Don't I don't have Animal Crossing. <laughs> I'm not doing any of those things. Although I should, because honestly, like I would love for Elijah Wood to come visit my place and tell me what a lovely, you know, little Animal Crossing place I have. And ask politely to pick your fruit. Uh yeah, totally. Absolutely. That'd be amazing. Right. That'd be that'd be absolutely amazing. I would I would ask him what his little thing was and Adam and ask him to be my friend on Switch Network. So he probably wouldn't, but still. Antonio. Yes. If you had to give your Story of Seasons experience a rating, what would it be? <sighs> I can't give it a general rating because it really depends on where you stand on your, your farm sims. With, Do you recommend it? I would recommend it if you're a farm sim person. Um, if you... like, And granted, there there's we don't know what's going to happen. There might be patches that come in for it. You know, there, There's already 
uh, an expansion DLC. set. So you can you can you can purchase it for fifty, I think, is what it was, or you can buy it for you can buy it for sixty nine ninety nine. You can get the expanded version that has DLC. Uh, I don't, I haven't seen anything that would make the DLC really worthwhile. I would say if you want the game badly enough, just download the game. There's plenty in there to keep you busy. And if you really, really feel like you have to have another outfit that you have to go make 18 bolts of cloth for, then yeah, go ahead, waste your money. But as far as the ratings go, let's say let's say Stardew Valley on Farm Sims is a 10, and then I mean it is so, and then Farmville is a one. Oof. Okay. Yeah, I went there. Not Farm Town. That was decent. Farmville. Yeah. No. Oof. Um, Hey man, you gotta come. You gotta come tap my crops and help me water them while I'm away. Seriously, hey, you know what? I, I've done it. So, yeah, with uh, with Farmville being a one and Stardew Valley being a ten, I would rate this at a pretty solid six and a half, maybe a seven. Okay. Um, and it's only because for everything that Harvest Moon did, uh, to set the bar for Stardew Valley to come and just leap over, Stardew Valley has set the new bar. One one other gripe I do have is the uh, the world size in uh, the story of seasons, Pioneers of All the Town. Like it's it's tiny. The only place you have is your farm, and your farm is like three small interconnected islands, and and you have all of the different things that you need from the wilderness all on your farm. You know your mines are actually on your farm. All three of the the mines are on your farm. Uh, okay. The different kinds of wood, all of the natural resources, all of it grows on your farm. You no longer go into the mountains. Uh, and granted, I, I've only been playing for, oh, I couldn't even tell you how many hours. It's been tens of hours at this point, at least. There, There is a blocked off mountain path, but I've heard rumors that that is just a uh, a tree cutting area. There's nothing up there except to like cut trees. Oof. Um, okay. Yeah. So all of the wilderness is on your property. All of your mines are on your property. Uh, and then it's just a town. And that is it so like there's no going up the mountains there's no meeting the there's no meeting the fairies or going into the mines and meeting those elves and you know doing any of that stuff there's no going up to the top of the mountain for you know the the moonlight festival or whatever it is you know uh so, you know you can't really visit other people's properties anymore you can't like leave your farm and then make a hard left and then visit someone else's farm and then go a different way and visit the vineyard like it's not like that anymore everything is very very compact which is great for your time management when you're trying to get a bunch of stuff done but it's kind of terrible in regards to like oh this is a world and it's like it's not a world it's a small town yeah that seems to be complaint that yeah i would i would definitely have a complaint about that because i do like having the world a little larger i like it having it being a little more spread out well i mean it's kind of like i mean if you remember harvest moon 64 you know, so you would you could leave your farm. You'd go to to Anne and Gray's farm, and or you know where where their dad was, or you could go to Karen's dad's vineyard. Yeah. Um, you know, you could go into the forest and pick different things and do different fishing stuff. You know, depending on where you were, you'd get different fish. And, you could and, go into the archaeology tent. Yeah, exactly. Like there's there was a lot to do. There was there was a real world there where people were kind of living and doing different stuff. Yep. Uh, very much in the vein of Stardew Valley, you know, yep. that, that that was very OG Harvest Moon-esque. With this one, it's all very small. And so while you don't run out of things to do, life does certainly get repetitive. And so like you find yourself spending all your time on your farm, which isn't bad. But after a while, the adventure just kind of ceases. You're just like, all right, well, there's nothing left except to just finish. Well, on that terrible disappointment, let's move on to a game that we picked up on sale that is, well, 
was a good price to get it at. And I told you about it. It's called a Night's Quest. <laughs> you fucking did. And... and I looked up reviews. That's the worst part. I looked up reviews for this thing, and I found a guy who's like, listen, the graphics are rough, but the dialogue is awesome. The dialogue, great. The dialogue is great. And I'll, say, I'll tell you what, honestly, they're not wrong. The graphics are very rough, um, and the dialogue is great. But yeah. my, my gripe about Night's Quest isn't even that the graphics are rough. It's that the environmental graphics are absolutely gorgeous and all of the characters' design is shit. Yeah. It is awful, awful character design. Yeah. And the, the clipping is unacceptable. The... <laughs> that's, that's also really bad. So Like, cl the clipping will kill you for walking. Yeah. So, here's the thing with this game. At normal price, it's $25. Don't buy it for $25. If you can pick it up for 8 bucks and you go in with low expectations, you'll have fun. I am enjoying it. I'm I'm a little further than you are. Um, you are. 100%. So, I've beaten the first dungeon of the game and the first puzzling section, and I got used to some of the controls and the platform and the floatiness of the fucking jump. Yeah, the jump floor and is garbage. The jump is not as high as you think it should be. The wall run mechanic is awkward, and I can't tell you how many times I don't, I guess, have the right angle into it, and I have fallen to my doom. Yeah, so this this game, if I were going to give it just a really, not a harsh critique, but a blunt one, um, and this is just at face value from having played maybe about an hour or so, um, but honestly, I, I got everything I needed from that impression. Uh, I am going to finish it, and we'll update accordingly, but um, basically imagine that somebody had a Zelda idea, but it wasn't advanced enough in design to make it as intricate as Zelda. So instead what they did was they gave you a very tracked game that's supposed to remind you of Zelda uh, with character d design that reminds you of Ratchet and Clank. A little bit. Um, or Jack and Daxter, take your pick, honestly. Uh, but I'm talking about the first ones, like the very old school ones. So take that at face value or with a grain of salt, however you please. Um, and then they mixed in aspects of Prince of Persia in more ways than one. Yeah. Because your character, Rusty, who has one mechanical arm, that's to me very reminiscent of the Prince of Persia release that came out in... I don't even remember what year it came out. It was um, 2010, 2011 maybe for Xbox 360. The complete remake where where oh, your character was yeah, yeah, just yeah, the yeah, prince. Yeah, yeah. It reminds me a lot of that with the one mechanical arm that drags across the surface as you do your wall run. Like yeah. they very I, I really think they took a lot of aspects from that. Uh they tried their very best to add Assassin's Creed parkour style uh 3D platforming. Uh, and they did not do a good job of that. The jump uh, is not the, responsive enough for that. The jump is terrible. Again, the clipping will kill you. Um, There's no real challenge in the boss fights. Like the first boss fight, I made it through real easy. The hardest part of the game is the platforming sections, and that's unfortunate. Like the combat, it's easy. The combat is very easy, and again, more of a shame because they put a lot of effort into the combat mechanics and like the not even the mechanics per se. That's another right word the for it. The combat is really the parry cool. mechanic is good. Uh, the combat animation overall is not bad. Um, but again, that it's just that damn clipping and character design. Like, like they just don't get it right. And what, again, what makes it worse is that the main thing I noticed about character design right at, right from the get 
was that your character, the main character, the most important person in this whole fucking game, has no change in facial expression nope. when they do things. So, like, when you... There's one facial expression for running, and it is a goofy, goofy-ass smile. And he's just running along, you know, very, uh, very jovially. And then you draw your sword, and then it's like, oh, frowny face, Rusty. And it's just default frowny face. There's yep. no... There's no additional facial expression when you swing your sword or do a special move. Like, no, it's just default frowny face rusty. That's all you get. So it's it's those things. But you have very fluid combat mechanic. Very fluid uh, combat. And the enemy designs. Like, I mean, for for fuck's sake, the some of your first enemies are these worms. And they're like Cyclops worms. But they've got these protruding tongues that move and gyrate. And I'm like, so let me get this straight. My enemy has a tongue that has more detail than my entire main character. Oh, just wait. Have you fought the skeletons yet? I have fought the skeletons, and they're adorable. Aren't they, though? Oh. So, you have you gotten the metal sword yet? <laughs> no. Okay. No, I haven't. I'm still it's, using the... I love it. It's not that far in. That's the thing. So, when you get the metal sword, you can then use your metal arm to shoot tornadoes. Oh, Jesus. What I do like about this game, though, is that it doesn't take itself too seriously. No, um, it really doesn't. More spoiler alert. So, again, skip ahead 10 seconds if you want to miss this. But basically, when you get the wooden sword, it tells you, you know, oh, here's a wooden sword, perfect for fighting off enemies. You probably should have brought something like this with you to begin with. And it's like, wow, you really, as an explorer, as like a as a warrior fighter knight who clearly knows how to use all of these things, didn't think to bring a weapon into the dungeon. Yeah, the game does not take itself seriously. The dialogue is, I mean, it's got a lot of heart. I would give this game a lot of credit to the fact that they tried to do a lot with it to what they did, and I just don't think they were quite ready for it, especially on the release side. I think it could have maybe just polished up a little, especially on what you were saying with the clipping. I mean, remembering now it's also using, I think it's an Unreal Engine game, so that engine, Unreal 4 especially, is a little older now. I mean, yeah, but it's still Unreal. Like, let's be realistic it's not here. A, it's not an excuse, but... Like, let's, let's be realistic about Unreal. If you're using Unreal 4, I shouldn't be falling through the planks on a, a, that's on what I'm a saying, deck. Is it's, I'm not walking. saying that to make it an excuse. Oh, no, no, I understand that. Um, it, it's but, just silly, though. I mean, they did try their best. It's It's got a lot of heart to it. I will give it that. You can tell they tried. They put effort into it. The game itself, when, when you don't have your graphical blurs and your little mishaps, the game's pretty. It is, and, and, and I did and, give credit to the environment. The environmental design is gorgeous. And while they, did a, they did a great job with that. Yeah. Incredible. And while your main character is something that is really left to be lacking in the design department, your the enemies you face, they're charming enough to want to see what the next ones are. It's true. My character, my character's face is unlikable enough where I'm not upset when they when he gets punched in it. Not at all. I don't. I'm not blocking. Oh, I do have one combat gripe though. For all the talk about combat being so fluid, there is no knockback. There's no knockback whatsoever. That uh, uh yeah. You okay. can sit there and you can sit there and run combos on your enemy, and they will not they will not get stunned or stuttered or fall no. back or none of it. No, they so they just you... sit there and they take it. So you literally mid combo can get hit by an enemy because they're fighting back. Yep. So that's where the tornado, that's where the magic mechanic comes in handy that you haven't unlocked yet. Fair. So, like, so, for example, the tornado, when you fire it, actually does stun the enemy. So if they're, okay. if they, you know, if you're doing your combo and somehow they break your combo, if you hit them with a tornado, you're right back into your combo. Okay. So, it's nifty. You'll get there. 
my one of my complaints and maybe it's just me though is that the game is not it tells you where it think it, it, it does it tells you where you need to go but there's no indication of where it is yeah like go west get out of town and i go all the way west and i'm like well i'm at the dock i where can't do I jump go? in the water yeah yeah like where do you go so after i finished the first dungeon area and it told me i had to go to your friend's house and it just showed me her house. It didn't show me where it was. It just showed me a close-up of what her house looked like. And I'm running all over the map and realizing I'm in the wrong place. Because even their quest tracker isn't isn't the most helpful. Because you can run the right direction and then you run into a locked gate with a guard yeah, in I, front of it. I really, and I think honestly, the world being locked off like that is frustrating. If it's supposed to be an open world, let me have the open world. Let me go somewhere where I'm not supposed to go and die. It's fine. I agree. I, I really hate, I, I like indie developers. I like indie games a lot. I, I think there's a lot to be desired. There's a great nostalgia factor in all of it. I, I do hate that I get a brand new indie game because it is a brand new indie game. For the most um, part, yeah. You know, yeah, for us, I mean, at least for Switch, it, it's it's a brand new indie game. And it sucks that I have to look at this game and play it and go, this is not worth the full price. This is not worth 25 bucks. So by the way, if you're curious, it's what, seven eighty nine on switch right now for the I sale think it ends like today or i think it ends the day we're recording this so by the time this is up the sale will be over but we picked it up for like eight bucks yeah so i mean i can justify eight... to eight to ten dollars for this game easily yeah for eight bucks i mean if you, if you have eight bucks to burn i you spent eight bucks at starbucks i mean and it's not and starbucks doesn't last you 20 hours so you might as well um you know it doesn't hurt uh, but speaking of good indie games, if, if you're, I mean, are we, are we still thrashing on a night's quest? I mean, I don't really have much more to thrash about where I'm at other than the boss, other than like I said, this combat's too easy. Boss fights are too easy. I don't want to go too heavy into the dialogue, but I mean, it's, it's humorous. I don't really have much else to bash on it. I mean, I'm going to keep playing it because it's something I've been playing while rewatching something we're going to be getting into here soon. Okay. Uh, so yeah, um. Also, uh, indie game, kind of. Uh, Ashen, it's a uh, Souls-like. Uh, I do like it quite a bit. I think that it does certain things that... It does certain things better than Dark Souls. And granted, Dark Souls is... Dark Souls. You know, a po- it's, it's Dark Souls. It's a pioneer into whatever it was doing anyways. Like, And so you, you can say, okay, yeah, like even for coming from a big production studio, Dark Souls is is an older game, and it, but it did create a genre in and of itself. And so... I think that uh, Ashen is a great Souls-like. I think that for the 20-plus hours of gameplay you get, it's worth it. I do like character animations in it. My only gripe for Ashen, I would say that I don't feel like there's enough content. Enemy design is very basic. I think it's like at the end of the whole thing, there's like maybe six to eight different kinds of enemies that you'll actually end up fighting. And if not, they're just kind of reskins of the same ones and they all do the same thing. It's, it's, It's dodge, hit, dodge, hit, dodge, hit. And it doesn't seem to me, at least, to have the level of strategy that you would get in Dark Souls, where certain enemies are weaker to other things. And, like, yes, there's a strategy for taking on each kind of enemy, but, like, not in the sense of, you know, Dark Souls, where a couple of well-placed hits and what you know is a weak spot will just absolutely decimate your enemy. It's just you fluctuating between strong attack and weak attack, you know, dodging, uh, and then a couple of different things, you know, a few throwing weapons like spears, uh, stuff like that. But it's... It's a nice game so far. Uh, from what I've played so far, because I have not played the full 20-plus-hour story, 20 story, 20 hour storyline or, or completed it. I've just been playing it. 
from what I can tell, you can't even change your aesthetic. Like you can pick your basic features. You can pick your facial hair and whatever. There are no facial features. Nobody has a face in the game except one character, um, which adds to, to me, it adds the lens to the artistic design of it. So you okay. get that. Um, but you can't really change like your aesthetic. Like you can't really change up your armor uh, in, in an aesthetic way from what I've seen. Uh, if I if I do get some cool armor pieces that show, I will let you know. But I haven't seen much, so yeah. it's it's a it's a tiny bit bland, but it is quite pretty. Um, opening animation scenes are gorgeous. Uh, Cutscenes are nice for what for what you get, uh, and it's not bad. So there's that. Uh, I've been on Witcher three. I finally upgraded my PC to the point where I can play some pretty solid AAA titles, and I thought Witcher three would be a nice safe bet, and I was right. And God, it is pretty on PC. Yeah, I need to install it, so because I also upgraded my setup, got myself a nice PC to play some games, and I actually have been playing through Witcher 1. I'm not that far through it. I'm actually about to probably dump that and try one of the other ones that I have, because I have the trilogy. Just start on Witcher 2, you'll feel better about the whole process. I might. I may go to 2, or I may just jump into 3. I mean, I'm familiar enough with the story of the books to maybe at least understand things and i know these are completely standalone anyway and people who have played three have never played the other two so it doesn't matter so maybe yeah one was a little rough on release i, I don't remember having a good time playing one i feel like i was underwhelmed because the the animations that you got uh with you know which are like you know whipping around like a whip chain or you know sword or whatever and I, it all looked very pretty and then in practical application when you played the game itself it didn't seem to like hold up combat's uh, awkward um Combat's you, awkward in that just, first one. You just hold down the button and it's the attacks are weird. The animations for combat are awkward. There's some big graphical glitches that I've seen, but it adds to the charm. I've been laughing through some of the graphical tears and like Geralt's hair being like the wrong way. It's, it's great. It's like you're playing a Bethesda game without actually having to play a Bethesda game. Absolutely. It's like playing a Bethesda game without having to play a Bethesda game. But you really want to know what I've done with most of my time lately. What is that? Something that'll be near and dear to your heart. Oh, I man. Have started, I think I know where you're going with this. I have started the Great Trek rewatch. Welcome back. So I started with Next Generation. Always um, a solid choice. Which is the one I am was probably the most familiar with the characters of, at least. You know, with Picard, Data, Jordy, and all them. I'm pretty familiar with them. Because um, that was the crew I grew up with. I grew up with those movies in particular. I've seen other series bits and pieces, but I decided this year is the year I'm going to try to rewatch as much Trek as I can. So I'm currently about to start season three of The Next Generation. Oh, man. And I'm having a really good time. Uh, yeah, it is quite fun. Uh, I, I watched some of the old stuff, and, and some of it's definitely tedious. Uh, you know, I mean, granted, obviously it's a little rougher on the edge to show from the 80s and the 90s. So, like, yeah, it's going to be a little rough sometimes. I'm... I will say I am surprised how well those makeup effects hold up to today, though. Especially when oh, close-up scenes on the oh my goodness, like the the effects works on the Klingons alone are amazing by today's standards. Still, oh hundred percent. Fun story. Uh, at some point, I forget if it's between TNG and Deep Space Nine, or if it's between seasons and TNG. But if you look closely, you'll notice that Worf, when he goes through the cosmetic change, his forehead also changes. And yep. that's because when they were changing when they were changing seasons or they were changing series, the original headplate for Michael Dorn got lost, and all of those were customized per the actor, um, and all of those were specifically fit to their heads. So Michael Dorn had to get a brand new one made. So originally, if I remember correctly, like in the first, I think it was the first season, 
all the Klingon ridges were the same. Oh, okay. And then they started doing it more custom, and they also stopped... And I don't know if maybe this is a wide-known fact among our audience. It probably is, but that they have stopped it and currently only cast um, African-American actors to play Klingons. I mean, that's good. So they stopped stopped during The Next Generation. You can tell, I think it's during season two when that started happening. But predominantly now African-Americans are cast as Klingons, which I think is awesome. It fits Uh, perfectly. Uh, I mean, well, yeah. It goes goes along with the, you know, that whole cultural thing with like what they, it's what they do they tend to you know the with trek i've i've noticed that they they always take cultural references and then they attribute those to like some of the alien species or they'll juxtapose them well and what i've what i've learned watching trek recently and been watching it as much as i have is i wish we were as good as people in star trek were man oh wait you mean it's kind of like what i always say that star trek gives me more faith in humanity than humanity ever has yeah yeah, it really does. But what I wanted to do with this and actually bring it up was to be able to have a conversation with you intelligently about Star Trek for once. <laughs> so which which aspect of Star Trek would you like to discuss? So I actually want to talk a little bit about the seasons themselves and the fact of the st- and I say the stories loosely because Star Trek very much is an it is very much a self-contained story each episode there's not many part one and twos unless yeah it's star, star trek like is very star trek is very episodic unless it's and like very loosely narrative yeah there's no real overarching thing other than a grand directive they're on to seek out the new life and explore what i like about the fact of season one and season two together at least is that there's very clear character growth in 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 every character in the cast woven throughout it and i love that you go from season one to season two, from Jordy's promotion to chief engineer, Worf's promotion to head of security after the death of Tasha Yar, who was a useless character. Um, Riker grows a beard. Riker does grow a beard. Thank goodness. Wesley gets a better uniform. Shut up, Wesley. You know what? I understand Wesley now. He's I always the- understood Wesley. I just don't. I don't think that, and it's not it's not a slight on Will Wheaton. I like everything he's done so far. As far I mean, every, really like between between his roles and his craft beer stuff, and like I like Will Wheaton. Did you know um, he doesn't drink anymore? Really, did not know that. He's been Does sober. He still, for, does he still brew? No, he's been sober for a few years. He realized he had um, he was an alcoholic. Oh wow, interesting. So he has been sober for a while now. That's uh, that's that's good self awareness. That's uh, that's an admirable thing. Um, really. Uh, but yeah, I mean, you know, I, I like, I like everything involving like Wesley, as far as a character, I think that they wrote him to be a little more childish than he should have been, uh, you know, for, for who he was and who his dad was and all the other stuff. But, uh, I think that the worst the service they ever did him was making him wear that stupid outfit that oh had like God, the rainbow, rainbow striping on it. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, oh, they... come on. Like you live in space, dude. Come on. Well, you can't do better than that. It looks like his mommy made that for him. And his outfit in the second season basically had that same basic idea of that top color being different in the same thing, but looked better in the grays. It did look better in the grays. I think that was a, uh, that was a much better design option for the character costumes. Um, I do like, I, I, I mean, I like Wesley's character development. I like, I like how he is, you know, this, this psychic physicist basically. And then on top of that, he, you know, goes to be, become, you know, Starfleet officer, go to the Academy, all that. So I think that's, that's always a very cool thing. It's fun to see him do that. 
I, I, I understand why he still had to go to the Academy. I find it interesting that like when they make him the acting ensign, he already has all of these different abilities and experiences. So I find it interesting that like they didn't, I mean, again, yes, he had to go to the Academy, but that he still had to kind of go through the full application process, the full everything, even though he already has time as an acting commissioned officer aboard a starship in deep space. Absolutely. That that was always interesting to me. I, I imagine they would have put you in like an accelerated course if that were the case. And, you know, it's some, something of an OJT or like an ROTC where like, hey, we're going to move you ahead because you've already done this. So something else I realized and learned is that I didn't, and maybe I didn't remember, or I hadn't seen enough episodes of season two to realize it, that Dr. Crusher isn't in season two. No, she is not. That's that Dr. is Polanski. Uh, that is Dr. Pulaski. Uh, I don't recall the exact reason why. Uh, I think Gates McFadden had an issue uh, with, with Star Trek staff. He's one of the producers, I think. If I was yeah, and so she ended up leaving and they asked her to come back after uh, I, I forget the actress's name who plays Dr. Pulaski. Fun fact about Dr. Pulaski's actress. Uh, Dr. Pulaski's actress was actually an old heartthrob character from the original series. I said she was in two episodes. Yep. I did my research. Oh, <laughs> good. Uh, um, yeah, they, I mean, they they do they recycle so many actors in Star Trek and it's incredible the way that they well, do it. Yeah, because um, I mean, you get... You have bones in the first episodes. You have bones on the ship, and heavy makeup. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Commenting DeForest on Kelly. It. You have DeForest yeah. Kelly. You know Leonard Nimoy's on the show at some point later on. As is Scotty. Scotty. I remember the episode with Scotty. That one stands out to me. I remember that because they gave him a shuttle. <laughs> they did give him a shuttle. It's sad to think where you're like, man, the shuttle is better than your Enterprise. You know, I was actually looking at the differences in the different enterprises, and I always I was fascinated that there's so much information available on the ships between the original series and the next generation, the um, the B and C. Because like, I won't count the A because the A was in the movie, so we have information on it. But the B and C, we get nothing. We don't know nothing about them. They're like not shown, but we have a lot of information about them from the fandom. And that's awesome. Uh, you actually do get something uh, for the well, Enterprise C. You get the C in well, okay, well, yes, I know. I think it was a different series. C. You get the C though. No, it's in next generation. No, that was that was that was next generation. It is. That you was whole, that was whole Tasha Yar the, time conundrum. You get that, and then you get to see the B in the motion picture. Which one? Jo- generations, Star Trek Generations. You get to see the B. Yeah, because that's where Kirk dies. Quote unquote dies. Quote unquote dies. Nexus. So yeah. Um. What so, else? What I have else? a question for you. Sure, what you got? What's your favorite... This TNG question? D- general Star Trek question. Sure. What's your favorite Enterprise design? I knew that was fucking coming. It's got to be the E or the F. I haven't seen the F, but the E's really cool. I think it's... Well, I, damn, I can't look or it Or is it the J? Is it the J, the one with the four in the back? Uh, The J is cool, Uh, but no. I, I, I think mine is the E. Uh, I will actually pull up an image real quick. I like the E. I think what's cool about the D is that it can have it has the um, the separations really cool, but the E just looks like an actual space battleship, which is nifty. Uh, yeah, I I do like the E. I wish we got to see more of it than just three movies. That is true. Well, I then again maybe we will. There's still more of Star Trek Picard coming. Uh, that is true. Let me actually see if there was an F. I think it was. There is an F, and it is the F that is my favorite. There is an F. There is an F, and the F is my favorite. 
it's non-canon Star Trek, but there's if if you go into uh, images, it's non-canon, okay. but there's a fuck ton of artwork for it. Okay, I see it here. I like how the saucer section is uh more streamlined, kind of like Voyager. Oh, it's some Star Trek Online. Yeah, gotcha. it's pretty sweet. I like it. It's it's quite pretty. Yeah, it has that Voyager look with that still look at the Enterprise E kind of going on. Wow, that's really yeah. Cool. Isn't that nice? All I gotta know is did uh did Riker ever get to command it? That's all I want to know. The Enterprise? Uh, I mean, I know I know he was on the Titan. Uh, I mean, yeah, it would be cool. I, I don't know. I I I'm sure that at some point he does. Maybe they'll tell us in Picard since Riker's in that too. <laughs> but I think I think he's the the captain of the Titan on that one. I don't know. I haven't seen Picard, so I don't know. I'm, I need to watch Discovery because I'm interested to hear all about to see how the time travel stuff works in Discovery. I like Discovery. A lot of people bitch about it. I, I, you know, I, I was initially one of the people that bitched about it because I could see that they were going more narrative heavy than they were going episode heavy. Mm-hmm. Um, and I felt that that kind of took away from the intellectual storytelling and the. I'm not gonna say. I'm not going to say moral lessons, but like, you know, each individual self-contained Star Trek episode was a full narrative, though, and there typically was some kind of lesson that was in there. You know, as a theme, it was it was something. Yeah, there was always um, a lesson in Star Trek. Yeah, yeah. You know, whether whether direct or indirect, they always did a good job of doing that. So, yeah, Discovery is definitely more narrative, um, and they've changed that a little bit in the later seasons that have come out. Like they, they've tried to add a couple more that are just straight up like self-contained stories while still maintaining the general narrative. So they're getting better at that. But this is also where discovery kind of suffers because discovery doesn't have the merit of having any of the producers from old Trek on there. Well, that's because unfortunate, but yes, it is unfortunate, you know, cause a lot of the guys from old Trek went to go work on Orville. And so there was the joke for the long time before it got canceled that Orville was more Star Trek than Star Trek. Orville was good, though. I liked it. I thought it was great. Oh, Discovery's on my list of things to watch this year. I think after... Plus, I the Orville's a nice ship, too. Yeah. I think after... Like, God. I think after I finish Next Generation, though, I'm going to go with Voyager. Um, canonically speaking, you would be doing TNG, then Deep Space Nine, then Voyager. And then Deep Space Nine has the slightest crossover with Voyager. I and know, then but... TNG has the crossover with uh, Deep Space Nine. I know, but I'm not watching it canonically. I'm just watching the series. Well, Benjamin Sisko hates you too, then. I mean, so I have heard from... I, I'm going to ask your opinion, then, because I've heard some from, from some people that Deep Space Nine is one of the weaker of the series. Deep Space Nine's fucking amazing. Like, let's... Let, the Maybe difference you're not the Space... person I should be asking this question to, though. Hold on. No, the difference... No, because the difference between Deep Space Nine and, like, TNG is, like, TNG's like, oh... We're going to have synthetic tea and crumpets, and Data is going to play violin while citing prose from a limerick, you know, and 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 so that you you get that on TNG, and then you watch Deep Space Nine, and it's like, yeah, this transgender parasite twink is going to go hang out at this bar and try to seduce this very obviously gay doctor, you know, while while all of them gamble and get hammered, and then you know Scott, and then then uh, O'Brien being a crossover decides he's going to get super Irish and get hammered and punch a Cardassian in the face just because he feels like it because he's somehow still like he he's got uh, racial predispositions from his time in the war. Like those are the differences. Like the, the, a lot of the lessons are still deep involving like PTSD and like psychological trauma, um, sexual abuse, terrorism, kidnapping, like those things. But I feel like deep space nine explored 
a darker side of things. And they also brought a little more novelty and levity to the idea of those things. And they had they brought Worf on to have familiar characters. That's why Worf and O'Brien are there. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, and again, you you have your crossovers where you know Voyager before it goes off into the quadrant. It starts, you know, at Deep Space it Nine. It starts at Deep Space Nine where it was docked. You know, and so it's and it's the same thing. You know, at the end of TNG and and partially through Deep Space Nine, you're dealing with that story crossover because I think. I think, 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 I'm not certain on this, but I do think that somewhere in Deep Space Nine, like Deep Space Nine is hap- like it's it's um the beginning it starts with There's... I think the base is Wolf 359, and that's that's where Cisco is stationed. Mm-hmm. And that was like the big holy crap, like a, a Federation station was destroyed and Cisco was on it. So it happens there. And then I think somewhere midway through Deep Space Nine, like Picard is still Lacutius of Borg. I don't know where it takes place in there because I know there's a line in because well because I think canonically speaking Worf transfers in before the end of generations right to the to Deep Space Nine. Because, I don't know because Worf isn't there at first. War, Worf well, was an add-on right, later because there's a line where there's actually a line because I've, I've like I said been doing research. Apparently in Deep Space Nine there's a line that Cisco utters to Worf saying I've heard you know I'm sorry about the loss of the Enterprise. She was a fine ship. Mm. I don't recall. So I saw that just reading through things, trying to do some research on which way to go, and I saw that line and it stuck out to me. But I don't know. Because I know the movies are canon to the Trek lines, right? Except for the new ones, which are a spin-off universe called the Kelvin universe. Yeah, and, it's, and even even that's still technically canon. It's just a different universe. It's alternate universe. Yeah. Because of, I don't so know. It's, it's canon within its own narrative. Um so yeah, I mean, that's definitely a thing. There was one point that I wanted to make about Star Trek. That Captain Picard does not like children? No, Captain Picard does not like children, but it, it did have something to do with TNG, I think. Um, yeah. Fuck, 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 fuck. So, while you're remembering, I will talk that I am really enjoying the characters. I do like getting to reacquainted with the, you know, with Riker a little bit and his rivalry and his... Um... Him is not his, like, I'd say rivalry, but it's not really rivalry. Him, his his relationship with his father is an episode I recently went through. That's um, a good one. But Riker's a great character. He's very much your Kirk of this series. I think Picard's more of just his own person, where you can very much see Riker as Kirk. Uh, yeah, for sure. I mean, I know Data's more of the, he's supposed to be the Spock character, but I think that um, Picard, you get a good mix of like that Kirk like diplomacy and that Vulcan logic of Spock. Jordy's your Scotty. I, mean, I, think, I think it's it's, Jor- it's Jor- Jordy and O'Brien. Well, because O'Brien's your transporter chief. Uh, yes and no, because he does. Uh, he 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 doesn't work as transporter chief the entire time. I mean, he ends. Right, up, I, I believe. I, right I believe now, he ends up transporter chief. Yeah, I believe that he ends up going to engine to to engineering because you you say I think it was a it was a misnomer. He said Jordy was chief of engineering. Jordy's not chief of engineering. He's the he's the engineering officer. No, they said he's the chief engineer in season two. Chief engineer, but not chief of engineering. Different titles. Oh, that's sorry, that's why yeah. that's why they call because um, O'Brien is a chief petty officer. Gotcha. So he already he so as a, as a as a naval rank, which is what it is. Yes. They just call him chief. But I think he I think he ends up like as as an enlisted billet. He ends up being like the chief of engineering. Like he's the supervisor of engineering, and he reports to Jordy. Gotcha. Oh, not that far yet. I just got through the last episode I watched was Deanna's mom was on board with the fish people in stasis that were going to blow up the conference. 
Oh yeah, Loxana Troy. Yeah. I was pretty good. And then they uh they they brought all of those uh the, they brought the thirty five gallon drums of, of these little like squid creatures, little crawfish. Yep, she had Picard to have dinner with her and he had data crash it's all his anecdotes. Yeah, that was pretty great. Yeah, Lux- Luxwana Troy is one of the most obnoxious characters in the entire show, but I think that is just it adds a lot of credit to the actress because she's really good at pulling that off. She really is. It's a great character. Um, Dodger Pulaski. Mm-hmm. That's an interesting character. Uh, I mean, yeah, sure but she is. You only get one season of her, so you get more. So I see how she could be easily forgotten, I guess. But she's a very strong-willed character. Uh, yeah. I, I haven't like I haven't finished season two yet, but what I'm from what I've seen and what I'm assuming is they don't really send her off. She just kind of isn't there. She transfers. Right. That's all. She she just you know she she gets a she gets a reassignment of duty. That's usually how they play those things off. It's like, yeah, I mean, that, it's it's easy when you have a military narrative. It's just kind of like, oh, what happened to this guy? He got transferred. Good point. He wanted to be closer to his family on, you know, Beta Prime 4. So what I like about Next Generation, though, for sure, is that it does still carry on those essential Star Trek feelings. Um, the hope for humanity to be better. Some of the drama that they manufacture can be interesting and a lot of the dealing with the Prime Directive side and even breaking oh, yeah. the Prime Directive at times. They break the fucking prime directive all the time. I know. But, but then they have Dr. Pulaski brainwash, them, you know, just mind like the girl. She can't remember it. Even though Data yeah, took her off the android plant, took her off the planet. And that whole cloning uh, episode, that was... Wow. Uh, yeah, I mean, that that's what one... I like about Star Trek. They're not afraid to delve into, like, really complex topics, and like, they never have been. Absolutely. For a show that was made in the 80s, the one for the cloning being about it, being a, a, an episode basically about the right of consent was outstanding. Oh, yeah. For sure. And you, you get that also with uh, the Voyager episode uh, with Tuvix, where Tuvok and Neelix end up fusing into one being uh, in the same body. Oh, and my. so it's kind of... It's the... It ends up being like a, an amalgam of both of their personalities, which is very cool. You have the Vulcan and okay. Yeah, so I mean, it's 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 very cool to see that, but at the same time, it fused them into one character. But at the very end, they have to decide. It's like, well, we need our science officer, uh, and uh, out of Tuvok, and Neelix is our morale officer, and we can't like our morale representative plus the ship's ambassador. And it's just kind of like, wow, we, we need them in their separate roles. And then on top of that, it has to do with their personal relationships because, you know, uh, Neelix is with, uh, I can't remember her freaking name off the top of my head, but Neelix is with uh, one of the characters romantically. And then it becomes a thing of like, oh, well, I'm Tuvok and I am Neelix. So like, why don't you love me? And she's like, because you're not my person. And then Tuvok's married. Oh uh, yeah. Tuvok is married. He has a wife. He has children. So that would be the whole other side of things. Yeah. So she then, like the Vulcan, but when it comes Hulu or Sulu, but when it comes down to is that uh, they they basically, you know, have that that issue of like, okay, well, it's like it's consent. It has to do with your identity. It has to do with you know your rights as a as a living sentient being and your sense of agency. Um, and and at the end of it, like against his will, they separated him, and he basically made it. He's like he's like you're killing me. Trek always, and that's the, that's the thing I appreciate about it. Rewatching it is just seeing some of these episodes and how they how it works and how it goes. Um, the one where Troy is, I guess, impregnated by the energy. Oh yeah, that episode again dives into that same topic. It's it's 
that's not afraid to go there, and it never has been. And they don't get really too deep into this. It's it's just more of an implication. But like, Captain Janeway and Tom Paris have definitely had sex. Now, how I know? How do you know? There's one episode where they go down to a planet and they start to devolve into like reptilian creatures. And so finally they do a full devolution into those reptilian creatures on the planet's surface and they go off in like a little den. And then what ends up happening is at the end of the episode, uh, Starfleet officers from the ship come and find them like in their reptilian form and they like capture them like animals and then take them back to the ship and they fix them up. But like during all this time as they devolve, they were living in the same little like, you know, den, like this little this burrow that was dug out. It's like, dude, they were totally banging. But no, Trek has been good. I've been enjoying a lot of Trek. Trek has been good uh, during this uh, last couple months, uh, during during a lot of these life changes uh, that I was dealing with. Part of that was being unemployed, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, being unemployed in the time of COVID is not the best thing in the world. Uh, being laid off sucks. But I did get to catch up on a lot of shows, so that was fun. Uh, update, I am employed fun. again, so there, there's that. Even better. See, it there is, was... It is, yeah. Like we said, life happens in between episodes. It's just been a while. <laughs> oh, my God. But, yes, it's been a couple months uh, that I've been employed again, so I'm, uh, I'm I'm glad for that. So, uh, but, yeah. So, in the time, in that interim, though, where I was unemployed and I was getting to watch a lot of Netflix in between applications to jobs, um basically uh I, I got to watch a couple of different things so uh the magicians uh which was a sci-fi show uh that, that they yet. that's a good one uh it's on it, the whole series is on netflix i think they're actually talking about adding more seasons but i think it ended pretty well the way they had it okay uh plus they already go beyond what lev grossman wrote in the books to my knowledge so um anything beyond uh you know that is just whatever they want to fabricate so but it, it's a good show uh, i thoroughly enjoyed that um and in the vein of sci-fi shows that are actually sci-fi uh less fantasy uh i would very very highly recommend the expanse if you like uh the used future uh political strategy uh thriller so you, slash adult show you are not the first person i know who has told me that and it is on my list i chose to start trek over instead of watching the expanse i think watching trek again will make you appreciate the expanse more so there's nothing wrong with that at all so, but yeah, no, so I've heard really good things about The Expanse, um, so it's on my list. Like I said, I just, I started, decided to do Trek first, so it may be between Trek series and watch The Expanse. Nothing wrong with that. I, I approve. I am um, really in the interim when it comes to watching things. I watched WandaVision. I enjoyed it. Oh, yeah. I really enjoyed I, WandaVision. I've seen one episode of that so far. Um, I've been watching Falcon and Winter Soldier. I'm behind currently. That's been entertaining. I watched a couple episodes of that, too. Looks pretty good. I think that the uh, the quote unquote new Captain America, for all of the hate he gets, and I, I remind you that when actors uh, play a character that you find yourself really really hating, doing that means a it's really, really good. good it means job. a really good actor. Um, and I don't remember his name off the top of my head, but it's uh, Wyatt Russell, Kurt Russell's son. Yes, yes, thank you. Um, he's really good in that. Ep- the one episode of Black Mirror he was in. He's not a bad actor, and he's doing a really good job as a character you're supposed to hate. And that's, the thing is, you're supposed to hate him. No, absolutely. So he's he's really good in um in that one episode of Black Mirror he's in. And I really like him in this uh, series he was on that was on AMC, and it got canceled two seasons in called Lodge 49. I've heard about that uh, one. It's another one I binged while I was uh, not working. That uh That is a great show. Uh, not sci-fi. Um, more... It's it's definitely comedy and it's got like existential spiritual 
like hints to it. It's but I mean again, it's it's a good show. I would recommend it if you like that kind of quirky stuff. Uh, it's pretty good. And Wyatt Russell is the star of that. He plays Dud, uh, and he's just really good. Okay. So, I've also <laughs> started rewatching King of the Hill. Oh God. I needed my Texas anime. It's on Hulu, so I started rewatching it. Because... All right, everyone, we can officially say it. That boy ain't right. Look, I chose King of the Hill for a couple of reasons. One, I am tired of kids shows. All right, my son is on a blippy kick, and let me tell you, look, look, this name's going to get us trending if I even tag it into our podcast. Maybe I'll say it a few more times. He does great things for kids. Don't get me wrong. It's great. It's interactive. My son loves it. It's helping him learn my, my two-year-old learn how to count. I can only take so much of this man-child. I mean, it's what would you prefer, that or Paw Patrol? Paw Patrol. Interesting. Interesting choice. Now, just go to regards- YouTube. Go to YouTube and look it up. But So that's why I chose King of the Hill, because he'll sit down and look at King of the Hill, and he won't pick up the bad language like he was when I introduced him to South Park. Uh, try The Simpsons. That's a good one. He's tried it. He doesn't... He, King of the Hill keeps his attention more, and I don't know why. It's because he knows he's from Texas. We got to get that kid out of there, bro. Working on it, man. One day. Oh my goodness. Ugh. But other than that, um, I did watch an anime on Netflix. It's uh, Blood of Zeus, and it's oh yeah, the same people I who did Castlevania, that. and it's really good. It is pretty good. Uh, it's it's not quite Castlevania quality, uh, but it is it is quite good. And I do enjoy it. I watched another one on there. It's like I think it was Seismanos or something. Oh, yeah, I saw that. I didn't watch it, but I've seen the previews for it. It looks all right. It's anime in Spanish, everyone. It was okay. And no, it's in English. It was okay. It was in English? Yeah. The The little preview video was in Spanish. Like I said, I didn't actually sit down and watch it. It's it's okay. It's okay. Godzilla vs. You know, Kong was really good. On another note, though, real quick, if you want to teach your son to count, you can just show him the national debt ticker. Well, he's a little older. I don't want to, I don't want to break his spirit this young. <laughs> Son, I'm leaving all of this to you. What is that? Is that my fortune? No, no that's what you owe. That, this is what you owe the government. And here's the thing, son. That number's going to get bigger every year. Good but, luck. Daddy, I'm only five. I yeah. This came, Enjoy, this, kid. I'm sorry, but this became yours when you were born. That's the way it works. I'm sorry. Godzilla versus Kong, because oh, nothing s- increases nothing increases national debt like giant monsters destroying the entire infrastructure. You mean Batman versus Superman, the monster flick? Okay, let's yes, go. Yeah, that's the one. <laughs> uh, it was good. I have complaints. I won't spoil it because I know some people haven't watched it. Some people have. I'm not gonna. It's still it. new too. It's still relatively new, and in the world we live in today, if you don't have HBO Max and you and, and, and you're not gonna go to a movie theater, you're not going to. But you know what? Speaking of movie theaters, and I should have talked about this earlier in the episode, and I may move this part back and edit it around, I do want to talk about a life thing that happened. Because we're kind of in that life moment, right? Ladies and gentlemen, we are being transparent with our listeners. I got my COVID vaccine. Oh, yeah. That's right. You did get that. How, how did you enjoy that? So I got it. As of recording, it has been four days. Um, well, maybe three. It was on a Saturday. We're recording on a Wednesday, four days, yeah. So, the vaccine itself, painless. I didn't feel anything. Needle went in and out, real smooth. 15-minute observation period, my arm felt like it was on fire for a few minutes. And then it went away. Well, and then it went away. And I got home, picked up the kids, chilled, hung out. Um, about 3 o'clock, 
Started not feeling well. Mrs. Pod thing. Asked me if she wanted to come home. Couldn't make a coherent decision, so she sent her mom over, who sent me to bed. I was white as a ghost. I passed out for several hours. That was day one. That was vaccine day. The next day was muscle fatigue. Then ever since then has been sinuses. Oh, and fun fact is the vaccine I got is currently on hold to be given again. Yeah. Arm yeah. still hurts a little bit. It's tender to the touch, but that's about it. Like a little bruising. I mean, I'll tell you what. From from what I've heard from people, I, I'm this is me having had COVID uh, and done having done the two week quarantine and all that. Uh, I I think I'd still rather get the shot. Yeah, I mean, I'm perfectly fine. Like I said, the only thing I have right now is just a lingering sinus thing, some sniffles, cough. That's about it. I can still. Taste. Uh, I would check the ingredients. Not not for you because you're fine. You've already gotten it, but. I would check the ingredients depending on who you are. Uh, an individual I know um, got the vaccine and I guess was allergic to something in it. Yes. Um, and broke out in hives two days later. So one, check the vaccine, check the ingredients of the vaccine you're getting. Yes. Because um, there are options out there and we also have, you know, listeners overseas who have other options. We have listeners overseas? Apparently, man. Look, I'm looking at... so. Let's move into that real quick. So I'm looking at what? our stats. We, we have, have listeners. We're, oh, damn. We're podcast famous. We have listeners overseas. Apparently, People man, overseas have no life like the rest of us. This is fantastic. It. I don't know how this happened, but we have a 5% listener base in Vietnam, a 3% in Brazil, and 2% of our listener base is in Ireland. Okay, I, so, you're, so you're saying we have 3% in Vietnam. A 5% in Vietnam? 5% in Vietnam. Okay. 3% in Brazil. Okay. 2% in Ireland, and then assorted okay. others at 1%. Do you want to know how many of our listen? what percentage of our listeners are based in the United States? How many? <laughs> Give me a guess. For a per- I mean, am I basing a off percentage. the money? Uh, off the per- numbers you just gave us, I would say it's got to be like high 80s. No, 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 no. Because there's a various others scattered below, and there's a lot of others. If I went through it, I could tell well, you. Based on the numbers of, of listeners and subscribers, I would say that means that we have point. Point two of a whole person in Ireland that listens to us, point five of a person in Vietnam that listens to us, and point three of a person well, where was it Brazil that listens to us? So, so we've I got think, we've I, got I, a I lot of like dismembered cadavers listening to our podcast. Sixty nine percent of our listeners are in the U.S. I mean that's a good number for obvious reasons. Isn't that nice? Teehee, we are also children sometimes. So we've been doing well. We have apparently gained listeners, and we appreciate you all. We do indeed appreciate you all. Thank you for listening to our, our senseless babbling on a pretty intermittent basis at the moment. Yeah, we're going to get better on that, hopefully. Soon. I mean, as soon as, yeah, once life stops happening. Life happens a lot, but speaking of, we have one last thing to move into. Oh boy. Oh we boy. Get to talk about, Is it explosions? We get to talk about explosions. Oh man. Michael Bay level explosions. A lot of explosions. Uh, um, like three or four rockets worth of explosions. Four. Exactly four. Is it four, four now? Exactly four. Fantastic. Eight, nine, ten, and eleven. Yeah. <laughs> we had some starship tests happen over the last couple of months. It was very expensive explosions. And they all spectacularly succeeded in the fact that they made their recommend they made their target altitude and they were all able to belly flop. And they were all able to turn right back up. Yeah. It's the landings. It's always sticking the landing that's the hard part. So, I'm reminded of I'm reminded of that scene in Temple of Doom where uh Indiana Jones is flying the plane. 
and uh, the uh, I, I I always forget her name, the uh, the character's name, the actress. Um, but basically, she's like, "You can fly a plane." He goes, "Fly, yes. Land, no." Well, they did land ten. Uh, they did land ten, and then it fell over. No, then it exploded. Which was was it nine that fell over on on landing, or was it eight? No, so. There was one. There was one that just about stuck the landing, and then it fell over. So, eight went up, and as it came down, it blew up. It 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 didn't slow down. It just went into the earth. Nine slowed down, but like didn't slow down enough. We were watching that one overcorrected. Nine did. Ten yeah. came down and landed, but they didn't land on the leg, so it landed flat on its ass. And then about ten minutes after it landed, it exploded. Yes. And then 11, I don't know what happened with 11. I woke up a little later than that launch was and turned it on at the end when the feed cut out as it exploded, I guess, on approach. That's pretty epic. And it knocked out some of the guy's cameras who were hosting the streams with the debris. Oh, yes. That guy. I remember that. Yeah. So SpaceX has got SN15 coming. I mean, I will tell you what. I would wager... This is this is a good bet. Maybe maybe we can have a rolling bet on this one. We just need a, we need a bookie to see if we will have Starship completed to do orbital flight before Elder Scrolls Six comes out. That's a bet I'd like to take. You know, speaking of, let's talk about our new sponsor. No, I'm kidding. I don't have a sponsor. <laughs> this is brought to you in part by my bookie. the love of Bethesda. <laughs> brought to you by my bookie. No, <laughs> brought to you by my bookie. <laughs> Oh, you man. know, actually, there is a website out there called mybookie.com. I'm not surprised in the least. Where if there's odds on it, you can bet on it. Goodness. That's that's a dangerous thing. Honestly, my question is, do we get orbital starflight before we're back on the moon for Starship? Does Starship get orbital flight, or do we land on the moon again first? Which one happens? That's a bet human, I'm willing Like a to human take. landing on the moon? Yes. I think if and they plug I mean, Elon- more, I mean more Americans landing on the moon. I mean, if they plug, e- I think if they plug Elon to do a SpaceX mission to the moon, then he will drop Starship for like. Uh, well, let me. No, he won't drop it. I think he Starship will slow production on Starship. Or is Star- or he's going to ramp it up because Starship could get us to the moon. It could. Um, I think Falcon could get us to the moon right now. Honestly, Falcon could absolutely get us to the moon right now. Right, if we did, they could Apollo. they could totally do a Crew Dragon and get us on the moon without a problem. Absolutely. A crew dragon variant. Just have it a little bit larger. Use the Falcon Heavy to launch it. Yeah, I totally think they could do that. I think it's I think it's utterly feasible, and and within reason to think that 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 would be something that we could manage. Elon, you listening? What you need to do is put a Tesla on a Falcon Heavy and launch that thing on the moon. Elon, if you could mention Pod Thing in your next tweet, you know maybe we could get some value, like all that Dogecoin. Yeah, come on, Dogecoin's up to twelve cents. I've made some money off of it. Let's go. Oh, is it up to 12 now? It was up to 12 cents last night. I haven't checked it today, but my Dogecoin interest went up. I have I I have made approximately I think 30 bucks on it. That's good. Hey, it's 30 bucks you didn't have. That's at least two lunches. That's why I look at it. It's Dogecoin. I bought it as a joke. It was so cheap. But I bought enough. I bought like 20 bucks worth and I made about 30 bucks worth in the in 30 bucks on that. So not bad. Get my investment back mm-hmm. plus 30. Not. Hey, bad. you doubled your winnings there. More than doubled. Go Doge, go! I'm on it. Let's go. I'm on this one. I'm gonna keep you on it from the ground up. Let's go, Dogecoin to the moon. <laughs> We're gonna make this I'm the sure. next GameStop. Let's go. 
We didn't even oh, talk man. about GameStop, and that's the best part. That joke's so old now. Yeah, it's almost irrelevant. So many um, things are irrelevant that we were going to talk about. It's kind of a shame, because, I mean, like, you're, you're stuck in the middle of, like, man, I'm really glad the little guy beat the stock market game and, and got all these hedge fund managers in trouble. And then there's the other side of, like, man, but GameStop made a comeback and nobody wanted that. And that's exactly it. Now GameStop's got money again, and now things are going to be evil and horrible. And just buy your games digitally, folks. Cut out the middleman and buy it directly from the console makers. Seriously. Or get Xbox Game Pass. That shit's got value. Yeah. That shit's got some value. I think that's kind of it. Yeah, I don't really have anything else. On that, on that utter lack of a bombshell. Yeah, I don't have yeah. a bombshell. It is time for us to leave. Thank you so much for listening this week. It's the end of our program. Good night. Please don't sue us. eventually. Thank you.